The, uh, the title of this evening's Dharma talk is What's to Blame? You could say who's to blame, but let's, let's, for a little while, let's just use what. What is to blame? Something is wrong. And instead of, as you've heard me say over and over again, instead of looking at that, we immediately, if we can find anything, anybody, anything, anything to hook it on, blame it on, pin it on, as they say, we'll do it. We'll, we'll abandon what is there. And it is interesting to discover, and this is possible for you to do, that whatever is showing up, uh, though there may be a cause or a um, apparent uh, something to blame or uh, apparent description of something that would show that this happened, that happened, and this happened, and that's why this is happening. So we think just because we can elaborate on that and somehow stitch it all together, we can problem solved, or we not least of all, now we want to know what it is and who did it and why it happened, and perhaps even what we could do about that. But it is a, it's something we do all the time. We blame others uh, the same. We blame ourselves. We blame situations, and sometimes it's it just looks so obvious we don't even think. Uh, we're going to say give it a second thought. We might give it second thoughts, but we also get a bit third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, lots of thoughts about, 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 and the illusion of getting somewhere, of making co uh, progress. But this is what the ego mind feeds on. It feeds on descriptions about activities that show up as some kind of justification or reason for how we think a certain, certain way, how do we how we feel a certain way, and so on. Continuous elaborations about everything. And there's, you know, there's no way to stop that. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that, even though I say, don't do that, or don't blame, or, or don't believe your thoughts, or don't believe your, um, your emotions. Don't put too much credibility in there other than the, the actual experience of it has its own reality. But it's, um, there's a word that the Tibetans use sometimes to, to help, help point us to a deeper understanding of dependent origination. And it says that it basically says that everything is self-existing. That it, and it sounds like, well, that's just going against dependent origination. That's going in another, in another direction. But what it's saying is everything has its own its own, um, it's kind of an odd kind of independence that is, though it is part of everything, it is not separate from anything. The the part that makes it so difficult for us is that it looks so separate. And there's something very accurate about that in that it, it is self-existing. It is completely unconnected with everything. It It is the singular appearance of something that is hidden until something shows up. And that is representative of everything else that is in the dark temporarily. So it's, it's difficult to elaborate on that in such a way that, oh, we can hold it. Oh, yeah, gee, I hadn't noticed that before. Thank you for filling me in on that. I think it's something that is uh, it's, it's very subtle because it, it, it partakes of 
of that aspect of your mind that we would call intuition or insight, and that aspect of the mind that uh, functions out of structure, uh, of structures, conceptualization, analysis, logic, and all that. It takes a little bit from each. We tend to break those up into insight over here, whatever guesswork even. I think that looks like that might be, that could be. And then logic, which is as the, the building blocks are all the same size or same shape and fit together in a certain way. And there might be a lot of them. We might be very good at that. We might be a logician, perhaps. <clears throat> so the idea was saying, what's, what is to blame? Or what's to blame? idea behind selecting that as a topic is the what part of that question is pretty good. Anytime you say what, there is enough directness in what is happening in consciousness to not necessarily move you off that, off from the center uh, into something else. It, it has a quality, that kind of an inquiry, that, quite a, that kind of investigation. is direct enough that you can actually do that if you have some mindful training where you are not looking for something else, where you actually understand, simply put, I'm supposed to look at this. Now, I'm supposed to look at this for a little while until I see that's not going anywhere, and then I'll look at it for something else, sometimes called impatience. Thinking that, well, if I'm looking right, this, right at this, shouldn't something appear that makes sense, or should there be some kind of progress happening? This is where ego or the narcissism and the self-centeredness gets its fuel from in order to perpetuate the illusion of someone who's going somewhere, who's been somewhere, and is now over here, is getting better, getting worse, and so on. And of course, that is aligned with all the other causes and conditions and variables that are countless. I mean, to say countless is an incredible understatement. It's a, a huge elaboration. But if I say don't blame, don't um, sometimes I say don't you don't have to per, have to forgive just don't blame if you see that you're blaming uh, and you sometimes people think well it's, we need to go forgive or we need we need to apologize well you might need to apologize a little bit a little bit is okay but quite often we make a big deal out of well even continue to give ourselves kind of credit while well, I, I blamed them for a long time and then I just decided to just forgive them. And it's uh might be okay, but it's more of the wonderful wonderful person that is forgiven someone. So it's more a self-centeredness, which is highly sophisticated and kind of gets a pass. So, but when you say what, what, what is to blame, then you'll, then you'll go right into the obvious thing. Well, what is to blame? Well, he is, she is, they are, the situation is, well, this whole structure, um, the whole, it's not just one person, it's eight people or 10, or it's the whole situation that one is um, entrained or, or hypnotized by, which is sometimes called the system that system may be just just the best is the way we do things here 
sometimes if we're able to to pin the tail on the donkey, so to speak, we can you know we can kind of back. Okay, well we know we know what the issue is. We know how to handle that. And so sometimes that relative situation is it, it works enough. It works enough so that we think that's that's all we need to do is just you just need to figure it out, calculate it, figure it out. And the difficulty there is it works a little bit, but it doesn't work enough to keep you from falling into the trap of whatever it may be, material materialism, psychological material materialism, cultural materialism, spiritual materialism, and all the other materialisms that are about getting something, about fulfilling, having a craving, a, there's a, a desire, a wish for something else or something better, something stronger, something smarter, something more beautiful, something more concrete, dependable. One of the sayings in the Buddha's Dharma, I don't know what the fundamental source is, but it shows up everywhere else, is all dharmas, all dharmas, all, tr all truths or all laws or all, even the dharma of water being wet or the, the dharma of fish being slippery or the dharma of Yikabana uh, um, is a flowers pointing towards the sky. No, that's roots. Hot kind of flowers. Really beautiful. But there's a, there's a dharma of that. Yikabana, there's a heaven, earth, and man. There's a, a, the, the earth aspect, the solid bottom in this case, the container and an aspect of the way the leaves are shaped, some kind of anchoring or heavy uh, visual gravitas that is there. And then there's that part that is reaching up, kind of the idealism or reaching towards the hell, uh, heaven or towards the aspiration area of space. That's in this case, the roots are doing that. So it's kind of a um, kind of a uh, interesting. A commentary on those have a, the roots pointing towards heaven, but it's doing it and it's very successful. And I, I don't know who did that, but if I, if I knew, I'd probably compliment them. But since this is a Dharma talk, I usually don't compliment them. Yes, June Chu did that. She did a really good job. She did that one too. <laughs> Go ahead, take it away. It's a great job. It's a great, and so the idea there using those three forms of Shin Soi. Japanese words, and I don't know which is which. I would say that. So the anchoring part, of, and then the reaching, the aspiration part, and so you have heaven and earth, and then there's man or woman. You have have the, the human consciousness there, and, and the idea that there that uh, uh, heaven and man are, or heaven and earth, heaven and earth are brought together by this consciousness. That's the, what the metaphor, how the metaphor works. Heaven joins heaven. Uh, the enlightened being joins heaven and earth. Just a way of talking about it. So you couldn't, you wouldn't say, well, here's a, you saw a beautiful piece of art, whether it was a Ikebana or a beautiful piece of music, uh, something someone had composed or something someone's 
performing or singing. Uh, you, you can't really, you can't really say who's What's the blame for that? What was the cause? You can't find a direct cause because you'd have to go back to, if it was a musician or the composer, you'd have to go back to all the training they had. You'd have to go back to their mother and their father getting together at the exact time to produce such a person that was able to even, uh, bring together those elements in such a way. And heaven or the man would apply to any of the arts, including, including music. Pardon my uh, voice uh, stumbling last few hours, tripping over my consonants. So the what's to blame, what's to blame, what, what's to blame, the, the what part is, you could stop with that. As soon as you say what, you stop right there. You don't really have to go, what's to blame and actually look away from what you could actually take the what part because that the actual situation is the result of its own presence just to break it down a little bit so things are fundamentally what they are <clears throat> it's not very helpful to the materialistic mind that wants some kind of damn results why is this happening and we the same thing happens in our mind when we have disturbing thoughts or emotions Difficult because we, we want some kind of answer. Something there must be something I can do. What can I? How can I work with this? What can I do? There must be something I can do. And because of the nature of confusion and the, the nature of the poisons and the nature of consciousness and the nature of grasping it at, at itself, that quite often the whole situation is it's, there's too much of an extended labyrinth of cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect, cause and effect. Can't find any, can't find the tail of that to unravel it because it is operating on so much. You could say, not to avoid looking at it, but you could say that it's it's just really, really complicated in terms of the pushing and pulling aspect of it. Some of it that shows up, we try to use that, manipulate it. Some areas uh, there seems to be some kind of progress we're making, uh, working with that. This is why it's a if you if you study any of the, of the different forms that are uh, that that are very conceptual and use concepts, but also it's more of a an artistic uh, grasping or understanding or, or or you could say blaming, if you wanted to, uh, the the enneagram also astrology, which depends on the understanding of cyclic movement, has something there, but it, it, the idea that you're going to conclude something there is. Uh, Elusive. It's it's a just by its very nature that you will get a relative solution, but you'll notice you can't actually apply that to anybody. You just have the it's like the astrology is like the feeling of knowing the enneagram or or tarot cards or any of those. You could go on and on. The I Ching, casting the I Ching to find out what. Story. I'm not against any of those. I think they're wonderful. But the understanding that we really are looking for, the fundamental understanding that we that will, that will lay to rest the 
urgent grasping of warfare of ego. Uh, and uh, the, the, the sometimes raging uh, energy of the three poisons in different levels with different ways and different people and different communities and different cultures and in different times. Uh, sometimes it gets it gets so incredibly strong in certain areas that the suffering is very intense. And so uh, you hear me say over and over again, not a lot we can do out in that direction, but you can trade, you can take that aspect of this world, which you have some say so about, and slow it down, wholesale, and watch the movement of the mind and get to know your mind so that you can understand for yourself the very nature of cause and effect and see that, uh, see the polarities, but praise and blame is a good one. Somebody gets credit, somebody gets the blame. Back to the Ikebana. Ikebana. Um, is there those three uh, earth, heaven, earth, heaven, yeah, heaven, earth, man? Are those three present in the spiritual path? Uh, everywhere. It's just a. Uh, it's just uh, a way of, uh, of talking about the, how things are arranged. So yes, they're all over the place. How would those show up on the spiritual path? How would they be differentiated? Do you do you use those principles when you're doing a kavana, or you just do it visually? Kinda. Of. So you kind of do it with a capital K. Yeah. Oh, kind of sort of. Okay, so you 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 reflect on uh, the weightiness of it, and then the upward and the motion is some kind of something that seems to address both at the same time. Would you say it that way, or you say it? I guess for me, it's more spatial. Like, just need something kind of going in, in three different directions. Yeah. Well, simply put, uh, there's the cushion, and there's your butt, and here's your mind. So sit down. Heaven, earth, and man. So the earth is your cushion, and you're the person, and the uh, mind is a uh, is that aspect of the mind that is foremost. You bring that together on the cushion. That's why it's so important to just observe. Just receive what is happening. Rather than, rather than abandon what is here, what is present, and go into some kind of a, you know, without even a search warrant. You're looking at rummaging around for this and that. Maybe it's this, maybe it's that. Go ahead. When heaven and earth are brought together, is something else created um, there it is a it is a kind of participation that is happening where you are no longer uh, getting in the way of equanimity with some kind of personal choice about this needs to be that shouldn't be I'm not getting enough of this I need more of that the constant messing around with everything trying to get squeeze some kind of happiness out of uh, whatever is showing up so the the balance of the Equanimity or Ruaksha is the Sanskrit, which I'm sure you've heard. That balance is already the case. And it is like this balance is already the case. And what you're doing is you're looking at the elements and you're, you're, you're receiving 
the disparity that's happening, but like the, the, the root that's up in the air lays on the tabletop and then the, the flowers are off together and maybe a, a branch and then, then the, the metal urn that leaks, business is from leaks, isn't it? Yeah, and I tell you, it was death and it was on purpose, right? Leaking urn. So you, and you would, you would bring those together with and, and some kind of a, a equanimity or balance or harmony would start to show up just uh, within those. And it, it's true, uh, it's true in music, it's true, true in the arts. Some people ha are, gravitate more towards uh, one particular way than another. Some people do that with words. Uh, and uh, like haiku is a good example of something that has several parts to it that function that way. Uh, and they function not only with the meaning of the word, uh, but they also function with the shape, the way the words are shaped on the page. If we're constantly trying to create the balance, how do we see that it's already there? Just watch the struggle. So this is why we have such a strong form. And, and our uh, particular way of working with the mind is uh, we come in, we have a time, we have a form, we strike a bell, we sit down, we sit there for an hour, whatever time we have made. And we, insofar as we can, we just receive. There's nothing to look for. There's just, uh, you could say it's, you're just there. You just sit there and you watch what moves and watch what will move um, generally and specifically is the qualities of the mind that are distressed or that are looking for somebody and something else, not something else. They want to blame something or they want to credit something. They want some kind of relative value out of everything. And this has uh, is propelled by hope and fear, the, the hope that I can get what I want and the fear that I won't get what I want getting caught between those two those two uh, aspects of uh, the three poisons, hoping and fearing, or passion uh, and aggression. Is the struggle itself balanced? Um, I think it has a quality of balance in it that, that one may have to see. It's not showing up as an expression of balance. It's like a sit stage set that keeps falling over. So it's it's set up and it's set up and then it falls over. And then we set it's like when the person comes to the cushion and thinks it's it's something different every time. I'm sure you know what I'm saying. It feels like every time you come to the cushion, it, goes a little bit this, then that, then it's, that's this way. And then it goes into where it's always the same, gets very boring. And then that, then that changes and goes into something else. There's always some kind of a shifting that's going on that has to do with our particular form or our style of, uh, of just refusing, to put it bluntly, refusing your Buddha nature, or refusing that fundamental equanimity that's always the case. It's always been here, it was here before you got here, and it's not, and you're not separate from that. Even if there was a human form uh, who lives for so many years and, and has the different things happen in their life, still the fundamental situation is uh, uh, perfect, as is said in the Zogchen tradition, the great perfection.
Yes, sure. If we have an agenda, are we failing to bring heaven and together? Not necessarily. Uh, the The idea of, a, of an agenda, um, it's it's like you would say it this way. You would say it's uh, not too tight, not too loose. Somewhat of an agenda, but no demand. So let's let's uh, an agenda. Let's move this this way. This should be longer. This should be a little bit shorter. And that's too short. Now that's too short. So just but but one that is very respectful of the forms and no demand. No demand. And this doesn't mean that if you uh, do that and you just you just have a, a spend time on it and you have a, a using a cabana again, you have something. It just doesn't click. It, just, it seems uh, you can't you can't quite get the energy there uh, using those principles of heaven, earth, and man. You can't quite get that to come together in a way that works. So you can't find the qualities in each one that come together that seem to be just a natural cooperation. So there's a little agenda there. Yes, are you? Did you just pull that pencil out of the air? Yeah. Further questions? It's a good area for questions if you have them. Is that if the demand is showing up, is that dependently arisen? Anything that's showing up is dependently arisen. So yes. So is it enough to receive the demand? Or if you just just walk, just look at it. Don't you don't you wouldn't necessarily add on to it more layers of oh that's terrible that keeps happening why does that keep happening. I'm trying to be aware of that, but I keep some little little uh, eddies of discursive thought that go around that keep us distracted from uh, what's right in front of us, which is we're not separate from. So, but, mm -hmm. so if the demand sticks around, we just have to sit with the discomfort? Well, I think it's different for each person. So some people... That might be a good approach to take. I'm just to actually say to themselves, I'm just uh, feel uncomfortable, but I'm just going to stay with it. But another person, because of the quality of the, the frustration or the difficulty or the connection they have with the, the teaching or conceptually, or even the teach the connection they have with the community, or the connection they have with the, with the teacher, if there is if any of those three are even there, those three are not there. It's going to be very difficult for them to for any person to understand. That the way you work with negativity is just look at it because it, it doesn't seem to be like there's going to be much of a payoff there. And if it were true that things were were not dependently risen, that there was some kind of separation, and you could be somebody, you could get somewhere, uh, the power of positive thinking and all that stuff, then you, you you actually were an ongoing solid being who could accomplish things. Um, might be a different story, but that's untrue. That's the relative truth is relatively true. And even that only goes so far. It starts to flip over and be the mirror image of that, be something else again. Whereas seeing what this is, uh, you actually see what it is. But no more warfare. Even if war shows up, you don't, you don't choose sides. 
misunderstand me. This doesn't mean that you don't vote. You would still, you would still do that. You would, you would still relate to the situation, to the world, the culture, the society, the family, brother and sister, the sangha, as it is. You would relate to it as it is, but you wouldn't think about it and whether you're going to side with it or not, or whether you're going to go another direction. That's why when somebody they say they want to ordained to receive your guy. Are you sure? I try to back them up as much as I can. I'm doing anything much you have to. It's, it makes it too confusing to go into something and then back out of it. I'm not saying that you're going to have another lifetime or you're, you're not going to have another chance or something like that, something silly. But it's... So the, there's an old saying uh, that goes probably pre-Buddhist, but keep your agreements make an agreement, keep it. Otherwise, why, why make the agreement? And if the causes and conditions arrive in such a way that they just change the whole thing, then not, you wouldn't fight with that either. Causes and conditions change. Please. Question on YouTube from Yarku. Who? Yarku? How do you spell that? B J A R K U. Okay, go ahead. I'm struggling between the shikantaza that I have always practiced and the closed eye, counting breath, and general awareness I've been doing lately. Any advice? Yeah, stop doing that. Just do shikantaza. You don't even have to use the word shikantaza. Uh, don't call it anything. Call it fancy pants. Just, just sit down. Think about this for a minute. I'm going to show you. I'm not going to get off this. This is too comfortable. But hold still. Sit symmetrical. It can be this way. It could be this way. Sit very symmetrical. And just insofar as you can, watch whatever is happening in the mind stream, the eye stream, the nose stream. Uh, all the sense fields, watch what's moving, and it'll kind of be entertaining. Things change, and then it flattens out, and then it comes back, comes and goes, and comes and goes. Just observe that. Of course, if you're doing uh, a shamatha, vipassana, laktong, shine, and those kinds of, of manipulative practices, I'm not against that. So you need to have some kind of a qualifier. So if you want to do that, you're asking me so I get to tell you. But if somebody is doing that practice, uh, I wouldn't say, should I be doing that? I said, I don't know, what do you think? I said, well, I really like doing shine, and I like counting my breaths. I said, well, continue doing it. But to respond to that question uh, more uh, directly, I would say that since you're you're kind of somewhat back and forth, I would, my recommendation is to do, and I've done a, a lot of both, my recommendation is simpler is better, a radical meditation where you you're not trying to get somewhere else. And I'm not saying that couldn't help you stabilize somewhat, but that kind of shine and lockdown or shamatha vipassana, uh, mindfulness awareness, should come out of your, your practice rather than something you're doing to yourself or rather than some teachers telling you, you know, if they have a lot of credentials that, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that, Whether it, no matter what it is. Oh, you should decide. You know, I mean, there's any decision at all. But I would start out by doing it very, very simply. Sit down, hold still. This isn't even, 
has the name Shikantaza or just precisely this, but even that might be a little extra. Might be this, just precisely nothing at all. Just the region is not ho hum as you're using, you're holding your body straight. So that way, if the body is held straight without pushing and without struggling, and this doesn't mean after 20 minutes, if you're sore, you don't bend over and stretch your back a little bit. Don't do the macho thing. That's that's because there's been haven't been enough women involved in this, really. Not enough feminine energy, mostly masculine control. And it's it's not been helpful. It probably has protected the lineage over a couple thousand years and the masculine force of it because there's so much militancy in it in the form. So maybe that was a, a way of protecting it. So, but I will also say to this uh, person, uh, is it Yarko? Yarko. I would also say to you uh, that you, you decide what you're doing. You know, I, I don't know you, so if you have a teacher, you have a teacher and you, you're giving your teacher the benefit of the doubt, do what he says or she says or they say. But since you're asking me for the next three minutes or whatever it may be, I'm functioning as your teacher. And I would say, do shikantaza. Don't, I've, I've taught, I was trained how to teach the kind that you do in 1978, and I taught it for decades. I don't teach it anymore, not because it's wrong. It's just, it's just because I think it's a good idea for the people that I meet to just do it as directly as possible, rather than try to train the mind to be open Let's just look at the way the mind is closed. Because if you're if you're training it to do something, it's like a uh, well, it's not like a cat because you can't train those. But it's like a it's like a, you can't train those either. Let's see. What can you train? Porpoises, sea lions. Okay, so it's like a sea lion. You know, you can for a while. You eventually can train them. And if you just want to be a trained person. Then do Shamadevapashana or Lakhtang Shine, and eventually you, you will be a pretty good meditator. But you will not realize your true nature, I don't think. I could be wrong. I probably am wrong. I probably am totally full of it. So trust yourself. But you could consider what I'm saying. Uh, and the way in which I would say that, if you do have an interest in doing it that way, uh, you said you used to do Shikantaza. Uh, uh, I'd be curious, uh, uh, and I am curious as to whether you did that by reading it out of a book or you had somebody who was teaching you Shikantaza, you had somebody related to you as your teacher. Uh, because to think, it's very easy to think you're doing Shikantaza when you're actually stirring the pot. What is that What is that old saying, a stirred pot won't fizz? <laughs> you know that. Oh, no, that's a, a closed pot can't be robbed. Help me here, you guys. <laughs> yes. He has more. He does. It's a he? I think so. Oh. Um, he says it's Icelandic, his name. Hmm. He says, I've been meditating on and off for around 16 years. Some weeks I will meditate four hours a day. Other weeks I get lazy and don't meditate at all. How important is consistency? Depends on the person. It depends on do you have a teacher. You you have a sangha. If you're if you're are you practicing 
Buddha, Buddha's Dharma, you, you consider yourself a Buddhist, or you, do you at least consider yourself a student of Buddhism, of this 2,500-year-old tradition, where he's gone and what he got is um, living teachers, which not, might not be such a bad idea. But I would say, from what I can tell, if you're practicing that much, I wouldn't, really wouldn't interfere with that at all, without your permission. If you ask me what to do, then I would say, keep doing it. But do chicken dog so that it's more formless rather than some kind of a stylized structure. And there, see, there's so many variables there. I don't know if you've been doing um, chicken dog. If you did chicken dog for 15 years, it's the last year you've been doing shamatha vipassana. So I don't really. It would be, it'd be a, a quite a bunch of different variables on that. You're asking questions, so that you must not be sure exactly what protocols that you should be working with. He says, there's no teachers in his part of England. You are his only teacher for the time being. And then he says, I can find Shikantaza somewhat frustrating. I see so many people do it for years and they don't seem much different than when they started. Zen got me into meditation again, but I don't see results. It's just a misunderstanding about results. This is all over the place. People get so, they want results, they want results, and finally they just give up and make up some results. And then they tell each other, other people that's what their results are. It's called a Dharma teacher. Yeah, I'd be really suspicious of that whole area. You said, it's a misunderstanding of results. What would a proper understanding of results be? No results. No results, no demand, no looking for anything else. What you're looking for, as you if you listen to me very much, which you, you may have, I say, what you're looking for, you're looking at. You're, you're looking at this. If you're looking for happiness, if you're looking for satisfaction, if you're looking for awakening, if you're looking for clarity, it has a. It doesn't have a, a, a color. It does not have a hue, a fragrance, a texture. It's not separate from everything. But sitting, I would say, uh, the way you're, the way it sounds to me, I would say sit. It sounds like you sit quite a bit. I say just uh, keep it simple, keep it radical. Just just sit down, look at the wall. Two feet, three feet away, look at the wall. Um, find a Sangha, not the person of Sangha, but find a community called a Sangha or spiritual community. And then uh, study. You can study with our community. Our community is pretty small. We even, we have a, we even have a new group starting over in that part of the, on uh, a Zoom line. So, but that'd be up to you. I'm not here to sell anything to you. Sorry, there's a lot coming in. He says, he's 31 and he's been Buddhist since he was 14. He learned how to meditate from Dogen's words not from a teacher. Um, he 
did Shikantaza from age 19 to 30, and then Vipassana for the last year. Yeah, so his teachers always say no results, but we all want awakening and self-realization. I want to know the answer to who I, who am I primarily. To look at who you're not, and that's difficult. And I, I, the other thing I would say, and I'm not here to market myself or this particular community, but I'm very biased in this area because I, I, I couldn't have done this without a teacher. When I say done this, I'm set up here and presume to help people with their minds. And uh, so I would say that's probably what's missing is uh, the three jewels of the teacher, the teacher, the teaching, and the sangha. And quite often the last two, uh, especially the last one, is, is just is not emphasized enough. We really need to work together and it needs to be in the, in the, the and if the, the teacher is, is not with the sangha needs to be with the sangha a lot. Uh, my my teacher was quite often absent from the sangha. Didn't work too well. He asks, why did Sokasan transition from Chogyam Trungpa's Tibetan Buddhism to Zen? Nobody transitioned. You 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 think I transitioned? I didn't do anything. I'm still, uh, I'm still a Shambhalian. I'm still a, a Zen Buddhist. I'm still, uh, still practice, uh, still practice that. I don't, didn't do anything with it. I still practice uh, Tibetan forms. I uh, practice Zen forms. I haven't gone anywhere. Uh, the, the the forms themselves changed around me. The cultural forms and the practice forms with teaching people. My my uh, my guru passed away in 1987. So that changed things quite a bit. But I, but I didn't leave it. Uh, it kind of left me. They, they found out that I was practicing Zen and told me to stop teaching Shambhala, basically. So I did. But it's pretty hard to just stop teaching something that you uh, feel has a lot of uh, power to it or a lot of help. I just might not call it what they're calling it. I don't present myself as a Shambhala teacher. Are there specific practices or an energy in Shambhala or Tibetan Buddhism that isn't present in Zen? No, they're, they're all present. Nothing's left out. I'm saying if you don't practice at all, something can be left out. But what's happened, uh, Zen, uh, even Trump Rinpoche, when, he, when they, someone asked him, and people are always asking this kind of questions, asked him, uh, so how about Suzuki Roshi was a, uh, he was, you know, just a Zen guy. So Trump Rinpoche said, no, he was a tantric master. Because it, it's not, it's not, uh, isn't contained by a form. It's it's about the fundamental nature of reality as you see it, and as you present it. If you're functioning as a teacher, so those are tantra and, and vajrayana and, and Tibetan Buddhism and all the different forms in Tibetan Buddhism. Are just just names and ways of methods of working with the mind.
and, there, and especially in the not only the Zen forms too, because there's a lot of politics. There was tons of politics, especially in the 15th and 16th century between the lineages there. So sometimes they got so wrapped up in who was taking over, and, and as you you may or may not know that at one the, the, the youngest of the four main lineages, the Galukla, head of that is Dalai Lama, and, uh, due to the I think it was a Mongol emperor, a Mongol um, army. That's how he was. Uh, placed as the head of the, the political head of the country. Tibetan, Tibetan monks didn't do it. Mongols did it. That's my understanding from uh, I hear that. You read it in that big book you're reading. Yeah, I'm reading a really big book. <laughs> On Markham Luther. It's a great paperweight. <laughs> yes. Further questions? A little bit of time, if there's a, especially from someone who hasn't asked a question. Wondo, do you have any questions? Nicole? Pumpkin bread. Pumpkin bread. Pumpkin bread. Pumpkin bread. That's why my blood sugar went out of sight. Pumpkin bread. You made shame of yourself. <laughs> Don't you think I already? <laughs> you probably are, but I'm the one that ate it. So, and then, but she let me eat it. So, yeah, I couldn't. So, what does that remind you of? What's, what's to, blame? to blame? Yeah, what's to blame? There's always going to be something. If sometimes it's more convenient, <laughs> if it's somebody you dislike already, but if it's somebody you really like, it's hard to blame them for it. You notice how you make excuses for them. Is there more questions in the, in the on YouTube? I see something on YouTube. Josh from Kalamazoo asks, yeah. the Zendo Buddha shrunk for a while and now appears back to normal. <laughs> Who is to blame when Buddha nature does this? Mm, Shoto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had uh, been working on things, getting ready for the the ceremony, the establishment of the Order of Immediate Light on the 18th. So there'll be some changes here, some different scrolls and so on. So that's what's happening. Different colors of things. But it's uh, it's actually the same Buddha that was just that your extreme size subjectivity. You're, you're politically very size conscious. You know, gotta, gotta, what's to blame? that question Gosh. They, uh, we had to take him away because we had to alter and, and Shoto had to work on that and uh, I know you really don't care you want to know but and so then we put the stone put out there temporary so that we wouldn't we wouldn't be without a reference point so are you other yeah you guys just bumps on logs over there there's no questions Chugabang. One of the bumps broken. <laughs> yes. How can I help you, young man? Earlier, you talked about shikintaza, and you said that you may think that you're practicing shikintaza, and then you may actually be practicing shikintaza. What is the difference between the two? Describe them again, and I'll tell you. Thinking that you're practicing shikintaza and practicing shikintaza. If you're practicing shikintaza, you probably will not be much thinking going on. 
because you you're just receiving then it's just just the quality of whatever's appearing but thinking you're practicing shikantaza uh, uh, may show up as as some kind of i'm trying to do this i'm trying to be aware i'm trying to i'm trying to watch what moves i'm trying to trying to trying to trying to and eventually you're just present if you're fundamentally present you won't know it yes i did say that if you know you're present you know, these are thoughts about being present Never said this was easy. Shogabine. Yes. Would you see a quality of presence as opposed to thinking about one? I'm not saying that something like that couldn't arise. It's, it's never arisen over here, but I'm not saying that couldn't couldn't it's possible something like that could show up. But I think it's more uh, it's more bankrupt than that. You don't you don't get any any you don't get anything out of that. You're getting something out of it, even though it's very slight. This is spiritual materialism. I'm not saying that doing a sitting meditation won't help you to sit down and maybe not interrupt people quite so much. Maybe even listen a little bit more. So there might be might be a lot of things that show up in that way. Very likely those will show up, but the fundamental. Uh, let's call it angst that one is going through could get stronger at the same time that other people are perceiving you as being a lot more well, that meditation is really working pretty good for that person because of this and this, this. and we've had other people say uh, come and say that you're a meditator you're pulling your hair out over this and that, you know, doesn't that meditation must not work so, no and, you, and then the proper answer of that yeah, it won't work for you well, why wouldn't it? Because you don't do it. Let them have it. Don't let anybody else. Final question, if there is one. Or Ashoka, if you have another. So I have another question. When you say that the, there may be a feeling of angst that gets worse, yes. what, what is that angst? So the way I would... The way you're asking it and the way I would talk about it here, there's a couple different ways, but basically what I would say is that is probably something if you're doing a lot of sitting practice, that's probably, if that seems to be getting worse, it's probably an aspect of consciousness that has been smothered with conclusions, ideas, opinions, and basic ignorance, and it's starting to break loose. It's like, it's like ice melting. You've been able to freeze it up, fixation, attachment, ignorance, and it stays there but then when we start to do sitting back practice chicken taza this whole thing starts to get uh starts to come apart the, 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 the fixation starts to break down and so what we've been um, hiding out from the that feeling of insecurity we've been covering up with convictions and conclusions and opinions and, and so on beliefs uh, starts to come apart so it can be more difficult. This is why having the, the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, it's why having a strong practice uh, is, is good and is helpful in that way. Yes, Saban, you said a minute ago that if you're doing Shikantaza, there won't be a lot of thinking going on. Does that mean a lot of thoughts are coming up on the cushion that we're not doing Shikantaza, John? No. 
further? That response can't be very helpful. I would like well, it was it, it was the answer I wanted, so I <laughs> okay. Well, we're, we're good. Um, yeah. So, what do you mean when you say if you're doing shikantaza, there won't be a lot of thinking going on? What did you mean by that, Don? Yeah, and so when I say, I'm not saying that you're not endeavoring to do it. To sit down and and endeavor to watch what moves. One of the things you uh, we can have difficulty with is we can't quite do that, and so it, it can be frustrating. So, and there's different levels of that for, for each person. And to some people, uh, it opens up in one way, and to other people, it'll open up in, in, uh, in other ways. So, the, the whole idea, the whole success and failure area just starts to come apart. It starts to get very complicated in that area when you stop meddling with it. That you just watch what occurs, and, and it has its own uh, combination of. Things coming and thoughts coming, thoughts going, getting stronger, getting weaker, and just do nothing with it. So even even thoughts arising, uh, there can be thoughts arising when when you're on the on the cushion and you're just watching them come and go, and then there's uh, there's thoughts arising on the cushion that you're actually generating in response to other thoughts that are arising on the cushion. So you're actually kind of mixing it up by adding things on. You can you can you can see how that's happening if you can use your other sense fields uh, to ground you because there the mind uh, doesn't have a it doesn't it doesn't obey time and space at all but your body does if you're sitting there you have to sit there your body's gonna your knees will fall asleep or your legs will fall asleep your back will get sore um, your eyes might water or something or you, there might be noise outside the building. So you can check in, notice that the things are actually happening in what we would call real time, real space, right here and right now. This doesn't apply to the thinking process. It's, it's everywhere all the time and anywhere and uh, is uh, very seductive. I'm sure you know, you can get so wrapped up in certain thoughts about certain things because of fear or hope or whatever it may be that you just totally blank out on everything that's around you. Totally ignore the other five senses. Not wrong, just ignoring everything. Question from Bhavani. How will meditation help me to develop paramus? Paramus? How to dedicate that merit? Is that Paramis? The word is P-A-R-A-M-U-S. How will meditation help me to develop that? I don't know. Chishok, you know, is that a Sanskrit word that you recognize? Chishok doesn't know what it is. I don't know. Oh, that's probably the South, South Sea Island. I don't know. I would have to know what that means. P-A-R-A-M-I-S. Armies. But just all they have to do is just tell me what that means. And then I address them. <laughs> Say, no, I'm not going to do that. You're the teacher. You should know. 
Chisho should know. Chisho is to blame. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe, but I don't know. John <laughs> uh, Bowing. Yes. Pink Paramis are from Insight Meditation. They are generosity, virtue, renunciation, wisdom, and education. Oh, oh Paramitas. Same yeah. thing as Paramitas. They're similar. similar. Yeah. Okay. And the question is, how will meditation help me to develop those? It may not. It may not. Find a teacher, not me. I'm, I'm plenty busy, but find someone, find a teacher, find a community, study it as a study it with someone as a community, especially a teacher that is, has a strong connection with the Sangha. You guys missed your chance to ask the $64,000 question. We'll dedicate the mirror. I can get up. Penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna, Paramisa. All Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokoji Buddha's temple monastery, our Sangha families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. <laughs> 